What up, though? It's your man Tarek Ahad, back for another episode of Why Lie with Tarek, the most unapologetic podcast in the game. Uh, this is episode four. I'm excited to get it in. I have a guest in here with me right now. We're about to get into it, so go ahead and introduce yourself, please. Uh, I am Armonique. You are Armonique. Or Arm. Arm? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like Armonique. Armonique, that's a very unique name. I like that name. Thank Beautiful you, thank name. Thank you, thank you. So, what do you do for a living? I am a psychotherapist, or I guess a regular therapist, as people call it. Yes. So, you're a therapist. How yeah. long have you been doing therapy? It's been almost mm, six and a half years now. Six and a half years. Yes. Wow. Okay. So where do you, where are you located? Like, like how, how can people find you if they wanted to, if they, so if I'm seeking out a therapist and I wanted Armonique, how, how would I find you? So right now I'm at New Oakland Family Center. Um, on my Instagram, it is Therapist Bay. <laughs> <laughs> we can jump back into that later. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice story. <laughs> it's Therapist Bay, uh, and I have my link attached to my profile. Uh, you can just click the link. Once you click the link, it kind of gives you uh, different numbers to different locations. I'm located at the Farmington Hills office. And basically from there, once you call, you can just request me as a therapist. It lets you know what age groups I work with, uh, if I have any open availability. But right now, I am currently full. Okay. Okay. <laughs> currently full. That's yes. a good That's a good thing. Good thing. Good problem. <laughs> good problem. Good problem. So how did you get into therapy? Uh, transparency moment. Um, so when I first started going to school, I technically wanted to be a surgeon. So my first degree is in biology. And uh, it was because I was told frequently that in order to go to school and do something, you had to do something to make you money and to be successful. So I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. It was easy. I like school. I'm smart. But I got no fulfillment out of it. Um, after the first couple years of, sc of school, it was kind of just like, this isn't like really, it's not, it's not doing it for me. Um, both my parents are recovering addicts. Uh, they've been clean. Um, I'm 36. They've been clean a little under 33 years. So I got into it because of them. So I, originally I started doing substance abuse. So I'm a substance abuse therapist. Okay. So that's where it originally brought me to. So my main population that I target is the, uh, substance abuse population. So when I started school all over again from, from biology, I went back and decided to get a degree in addiction studies for undergrad. And I did that as well as social work. So it started because of my parents. Um, and then I kind of fell into my own mental health journey from a person who suffers from depression and anxiety. Um, I have a history of I tried to commit suicide before as a teenager. Um, I self-harmed for 15 years. So I wanted somebody to be able to sit in an office or a room or a space with a person who knew what it looked like or knew what it felt like to be in a room with the person who had been in the same position that they've been in and not just get a therapist who got paid to tell them things that they knew. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. <laughs> wow. So you said your, so your parents, so most of the majority of your young, your young life, your parents struggle with addiction. Uh, for the most part, the first maybe five or six years, 
Um, yes. From there, they got they were clean. So I really didn't experience a lot of it. Okay. Um, I, that, I that's what I was about to ask. Yeah, I experienced most of it with my dad, but not more so with my mom. Okay. Um, and I really didn't know, honestly, um, until maybe I was like in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. That's when I got told uh, the story of... So I worked at ShareHouse for a while, and they have groups. And when you sit in a group, you kind of tell your testimony. And my mom was a therapist there. My mom's a therapist, too. So I come from a family of therapists. Um, all Three of my sisters are therapists, one of my nieces, and my godmom, and my mom. Wow. So I walked in, and I heard my mother's testimony. And I walked out. Because I heard things that I did not have no business hearing that I did not want to know about. And that's when she kind of like really broke everything down to me, what she did. And and I was just like, okay. And then she felt like I was old enough at the time. I was maybe 23. So I was old enough to kind of get a grasp on what it is that she did, you know, how it was. Uh, I mean, she ran the streets. So, and um, it gave me more of an insight on how my childhood was. And why is it that they worked so hard for me to do certain things and why she wanted to make sure that I did not become them. Okay. So that's that was most of my driven purpose. So hearing this at 23, so, it, it, so when you heard your mother's testimony, you were already at Wayne State, correct? No, I didn't start. No, 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 no. That was, <laughs> I had literally decided to get my shit together uh, right after that. I had got locked up for a couple years. So right after 23 is when I heard it, and that's when I got it together. Okay, so that's when you went, yeah. went on your mission. <laughs> went on your mission. Yep. Okay, cool. Okay. Wow. That, 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 yeah. that, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot. To, that's a lot to unpack. It, it was. <laughs> that's a lot. So looking at, you know, being a black woman, you know, coming from a, a, a line of black women therapists, how important is mental health in the black community, or to ask the question another way, how bad do you think it is in our community? Um, I believe that it it is looked at in a negative way due to the fact that people in the black community think you need therapy if you are quote unquote crazy. So they feel like you are ideally supposed to see a therapist if you have experienced a negative impact in life or a trauma or something so traumatic has happened to you that you have to seek seek help. Mm-hmm. That is the only reason why you're supposed to see a therapist. When in actuality, I, I'll give you an example. I hung out with a group of my friends. This was maybe about four or five years ago. And we were downtown, and we were like Greek town, midtown area, like all around there, just kind of like riding around having fun. And typical downtown things happen. Dudes got into it. People started shooting. Um, most of the women I hang around, we carry. So, and it was normal to us. We kind of just grabbed our purses, you know, kind of remember who parked where, said, okay, text me when you get to your car safe. We were not in a panic. We were not in a frenzy. We watched a whole bunch of white people literally screaming to the top of their lungs, crying. And it's like, we looking at each other like, so y'all want to get Coney after this? Or... (laughs) Do y'all want to go see, can we find a hookah bar? Because at the time, uh, this was uh, pre-COVID, so it was a place that we were low called Hookah Joe's that was open to 4 o'clock in the morning. So we like, do y'all want to get Coney and hit Hookah Joe's? Or, you know, there was no, like, issues for us. So after that, I said, to, I brought it back up to them years later. And I was like, do y'all remember? And we laughed about it. And I was like, that's 
part of the reason why black people need to go see therapy. I was like, we experience shit like that and it's normal to us. Right, right. It's normal. It's normal as hell. Right. Like you would hear gunshots or it'd be the 4th of July. And the fact that a black person can sit on their porch and tell you the distinct difference between a gunshot and a firework and chill is the reason why black people need to go to therapy. Okay. <laughs> oh, you're absolutely right. See, I personally don't believe that you can grow up black in this country or in many countries and and not need some help. Absolutely not. Like, you know, I mean, you know, you, you got 400 plus years of oppression. Like, and, and, and like you say, we normalize trauma. Like, Correct. Like, that's regular for us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I, I, at the very least, we all have PTSD. Oh, for at, sure. At the at the bare minimum, in my Absolutely. opinion, we all have at least PTSD. Absolutely. So, so my question is, why is it so taboo to seek out professional help to to to, to say, "Hey, I need to talk to a therapist"? Why is that frowned upon? Because in, it in became a color thing. Okay. Like white people go see therapy, and white people made it to where they go see therapy because. Timothy, Bobby, Sam, I hate to give white people names, but that's just what it is. They go see therapy for the actual valid reasons because Timothy is sad. Timothy has reported crying or not, you know, feeling okay or having bad dreams. And black people look at it as toughen up, get your shit together. You'll mm-hmm. be okay. That's just what it is. It's not considered trauma. It's not considered a bad thing. Now, they do it differently. Now black parents are, you know, bringing their kids to therapy saying, okay, there are some problems going on with my kid. But it literally takes the kid to have a breaking point. And it shouldn't get to that point. But I really think the the primary reason most teenagers, black teenagers, are being brought to therapy from their parents is because of social media. Social media has paved the way for parents to bring their teenagers to therapy. Black parents. Facts. It's being talked about more. You know yes. what I mean? Like, you know, like you have, uh, you know, Charlemagne the guy every mm-hmm. morning on the Breakfast Club talking about, you know, going to therapy and, you know, celebrities coming out saying, you know, I needed to talk to somebody. Like, yeah. I don't understand, like, how is that a weakness or how is that flawed or frowned upon? Because hey, I can't do this shit alone. Right. I need to talk to because I don't have all the answers, Sway. Right. You know, I, I need to talk to somebody who has the answers, and why not seek a professional? Instead of going to my mama, who in most cases don't know shit just like I ain't know shit, you know, in, in the general sense. Mm-hmm. So let me talk to a professional. And I'm just trying to figure out why that is an issue for us. It, but it's also, we got to think about things that have been installed in us from generations to generations and going back. It has never been in the family. You can't think of a time like going back to grandparents, great-grandparents, where you've heard them talk about therapy. You've heard them say things like they went to church mm-hmm. and they talked to the pastor prior to them getting married, and that's where they got their counseling from. Right. And that's the biggest thing that confuses me the most is that your pastor is not a therapist, never has been, never <laughs> will be. Right. It, it's just, it, it, it baffles me, but, you know, that's what they do in the people's church, and that's just what it is. But that's where they got their... Um, therapy from is church. Mm-hmm. It comes from church. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's always came from in the black household. Okay. <laughs> so uh, prior to COVID, I was, uh, you know, I, so I went through a divorce in 2019. My divorce was final, you know, and, uh, you know, big separation. That's a, that's a big life event. You know what Correct. I'm saying? You know, a fucking relationship ending, a huge right. relationship, a family splitting apart. That's a huge issue. So 
afterwards, I'm you know I'm talking to my mom because that's what that's what niggas do. You know what I'm hey. saying? Hey, ma, you know what I'm saying? Ooh, I got this shit on my mind. Job stressing me out a little bit. Marriage done fell apart. I'm going through some shit. Let me go talk to my mom. So my mom like, uh, nigga, you you're in the UAW. You work, you know what I'm saying, for the auto industry. You have excellent insurance. Go go talk to somebody. Right. So I'm like and. Honestly, I ain't gonna cap. It had never occurred to me. You know what I mean? And and I've been through some shit. You know what I'm saying? Seen niggas die, lost niggas, been to prison. You know, like I. I've been, and it still never occurred. It never occurred to me that hey man, maybe I need a fucking therapist. So, boom. I'm, she tells me this. I go, you know, to my job, find out my information and shit. They like, all right, well, listen. So you have to go to your primary care physician, get a referral. And then find your find a therapist. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, cool, bet. C- COVID hits. Mm. COVID hits. I can't get in to see my primary care physician. Okay. They're not doing any, you know, ain't no come in, get your little, none of that shit, right? So everything is locked down. So it's March 2020. And then, you know, right after that, the whole, we all in the house for a year. Right. So it just, all right, fuck it. You know what I mean? So it just, it fell to the wayside, right? So, I, I so now I have uh, I, I got in I got my referral this year, uh, I got my referral sometime in July. I, my first appointment with the therapist is on the 18th. Right? Okay. So my question is, I don't know what I need. I don't know what's wrong with me, <laughs> and I don't know this person. So what are some questions I should ask them to vet them? You know what I'm saying? Because how do I know that a therapist is a good fit for me? Or for what I need, for for what I may need, and not know that I need. So, well, first thing, what is the therapist credentials? Is this is a therapist with a PhD? Is it an LPC? Is it MSW? Is who my doctor told me to go to. So, my question, my my concern is, is that you're seeing a person with a PhD? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to take you completely away from that. Like, I, I really want you to cancel your appointment. <laughs> Okay. I'm not against people with PhDs, only because I mean I'm aiming to to have mine soon. So I'm not not taking away from it. What I am saying is that you don't need a therapist in the sense of a doctor therapist. You don't need a psychiatrist or a psychologist. You need a therapist. You need somebody who's a clinical therapist. You mm-hmm. need a social worker, a counselor, somebody like that. The difference is is that I help. I diagnose, I listen, I respond. I'm not here to medicate you. That's my difference. Man. So that's the complete difference is that I help with words. Granted, I can, I can tell you what medication you may need, but that's not my goal. That's not my target. So what I need you to do is is that you prefer a male or a female? Uh, a black female. I bet. Okay. Most men do. All right, so there is a website. The website is called, you can either go on Psychology Today or you can go on Therapy for Black Girls. Where you go on these websites, you will type in your zip code. When you type in your zip code, you will also pull up your insurance because it will tell you to type in your insurance provider. When you type in your insurance provider and your zip code, it's going to pull up every single therapist within a 20-mile radius that is black. On Psychology Today, you can uh, filter it to the exact person that you want. If you want a person who is bald-headed, you can filter it. Like, if you want a person who's short, tall, medium, fat, whatever, you can filter psychology today to the T. Therapy for Black Girls is a uh, website dedicated to only black therapists that are women. That's it. That's all. You're not going to get a person who's brown that might be Indian. You're going to get African-American women, period, point blank. 
they are therapists. They are not psychiatrists. They are not psychologists. They are not going to medicate you. They're not going to medicate and manage you. So I would say cancel your appointment <laughs> if you're going to see a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Reason being is that their goal is to diagnose and medicate because the only way they are able to continue services is if you're on medication. I'm not against medication. I'm on medication. But I'm against it as the first route to therapy because you don't even know why you need therapy. Right. So off bat, that leaves a room of an open opportunity for a person who has a PhD to diagnose you with whatever the hell they want to. And all you got to do is tell them about your trauma, your history, and something that you've been to, and boom, you're depressed. Mm -hmm. You have major depressive disorder. You have anxiety. And you have PTSD. I can tell you off bat, that's what they're going to diagnose you with. Mm. Now you got three medications that you got to take. And now you are a completely different person. So to uh, remove that from happening, go on one of those websites. Or you can go on therapy for black men. So that is for men. And that'll pull up a the same thing that therapy for black girls will pull up a website for all black male therapists. Okay. The downside is that it's not that many black male therapists. But there is a lot. Just not that many. Okay. But, yeah, so go on therapy for black girls, find you a nice black therapist, you can read their profiles, you can see what they look like, you will see exactly what they specialize in, and it'll tell you, like it'll have somebody on there. The reason why I don't have to tell you what it is that you need help with, because you can read the profile of a therapist, and you can sit here and say, that's what I need help with. Somebody might, profile might say, they specialize in childhood trauma, um, or uh, relationship issues, trust issues, um, Anger management. You will start to read a person's profile and see everything that they have specialized in over the years, and it'll make you think like, damn, I did have that problem, or damn, you know. So I don't need to tell you why you need to see therapy, because you'll figure it out. It's not for me to tell you. Okay. <laughs> so, it, and, and it's interesting that you mentioned that. So as soon as I, I, I told a friend of mine, you know, that I had my upcoming, you know, appointment to go mm -hmm. talk to a psychiatrist right and that's the first thing she said don't let them put you on no medicine yeah like like that's what they did like they tried to give her seroquil mm -hmm. tried to give her some other shit and i'm like damn seroquil that's what they was giving everybody in prison mm -hmm. you know what I'm I rem it's a sedative I, I remember that shit like all the niggas was on like niggas was trying to buy each other seroquil like you know what i'm saying like yeah. like but she was like that's the first thing that this motherfucker did was try to put me on some medication and mm -hmm. she like Nigga, that ain't even my issue. You know what I'm saying? Like, and now I'm fucked up and woo woo. So, if you if if, if you're like me, you know, if if you have never you're um, you know a black person in this country, been through whatever the fuck I've been through, mm -hmm. and okay, I need some help. How how does that conversation even start? Once I get once I get so let's say I do go on the therapy for girls and I meet somebody, what are we gonna talk about? The first thing a therapist is going to ask you, and the first thing I kind of ask my clients is why therapy? Why did you want to come to therapy? And most of them will tell me they don't know, or they might tell me something that recently happened. So if in your case you don't know, um, usually I start to unpack. I'll ask how was your childhood. How's your relationship with this person? How's your relationship with that person? Just to start with the process of the unpacking. Once I start unpacking with the person, that's when they kind of realize where they might have struggled at, if they had any kind of struggles, if they had any kind of trauma. Typically, people don't understand or know that they had trauma until we start to unpack certain areas in their life. So I typically can start from birth and work my way up to currently to figure out exactly where something happened at. Um, 
the forgiveness process. Uh, some people might got daddy issues, mama issues, grandma issues. Uh, it, it all depends on who raised you, who didn't raise you. Um, if you got baby mamas, if you got an ex-wife. I mean, any of those things could, could be a trigger for you. And you not know it until I ask you, what's your relationship with them? And then I start to unpack each relationship with each person. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you can keep going when I'm picking this up. I'm just trying not to lose focus. You can keep no, going you're if okay. you got more to say. I mean, it's just, I mean, therapy itself is not, it's not always about figuring out if it's something wrong. Sometimes it's really just about kicking it with a person. Um, I'm a therapist that I've been told from clients that you can kind of just kick it with me. I'm I'm my client's home girl. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I I I work, I do my job. I'm 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 a dog ass therapist. I know I'm I'm great at it. But at the same time, I I'm somebody you kick it with. You know, like I had a client not too long ago tell me like, you know, well, I'm pregnant. And I had to kick it with like I would kick with one of my homegirls. I was like, well girl, you ain't got no job for real. So what you gonna do? Like um, this is real life here, and at the end of the day, this guy, this can go one or two ways. You gonna keep it or you not? Right. And you know, and she was like, "You're supposed to be my therapist." I said, "Girl, I'm human. So what you gonna do? Is is I'm not one of them therapists that's about to sugarcoat it for you. I'm not about to sit here and and sprinkle it and make it look pretty and put glitter on it. It's it's reality. Reality is we don't need no more babies in this world with somebody playing with them. So either you gonna keep it or you're not. It's just real simple. So sometimes people just need a person they can really just kick it with mm -hmm. and find that trust. Because the thing with a lot of black people is we don't trust anybody. Facts. <laughs> so not being able to trust somebody or not being able to confine in a person without feeling ridicule is very difficult in the black community. So being able to kick it with a person and not have that ridicule or, you know, that judgment. It's like, damn, I can sit here and I, and you don't have to talk to them every day. You get an hour once a week or every other week to kick it with a person who leaves room for no judgment. That's like, that's a cakewalk. It's like, I can tell her all my business. By law, she can't tell none of my business or give my information out. And I'm not being judged. And my insurance pay for this. That's just like cake work right there. <laughs> okay, so we go. So, so, so we so we gonna come back. We gonna come right back to that. But you said something that I want to touch on. So you said uh, the forgiveness process, mm -hmm. right? So from a therapist's point of view, forgiving is important. Oh yeah. Okay. Seven steps to it. I don't okay. know them by heart off the top of my head, but there are seven steps of forgiveness. It is extremely important, but it's not always, of course, about the person. It is mainly about you. Um, your life will be in complete chaos if you don't forgive. You have to. You have to. Okay, so my shit is probably in chaos. <laughs> uh, I am unforgiving. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, I'm, I, I want my lick back. Like, I, I don't want to forgive oh, you. Oh, God. I don't, no, you know, I, I don't want to forgive you. If, if you've done something to me to affect me, mm. to affect my life, I have to affect your life. No, like, you don't. I, I, Why? I, I, I swear, personally... And and so so you don't, so so this is a talking point that me and my therapist will probably yeah, get into like, because me personally I think the high road was built for whole ass niggas like I I, I you know what I mean I I just don't believe in the high road taking the high road it's not taking the high road it's taking the rational road and realizing that you carry so much weight with grudges grudges are heavy as fuck you know how much weight you carry giving a fuck about getting back at somebody until you get back no still weight. You know, like, but, but then when you, it's heavy. <laughs> so, 
So so I, so now I know what I was talking about with my therapist. It's heavy. Because um, I, I, yeah. and I, the only reason why I say that is because I was that person. When I said I used to get my lick back, it wasn't no doubt in my mind I was getting my lick back and I got it back probably twice. But when I look back and I realize it's like, it don't be worth it. Like you, I invested so much energy in getting my lick back. And then I think about it like they don't, it's not. Because they're not waking up worrying about how they're going to get me back. They're not plotting on it. They're not waiting on that perfect moment to get me back. They went about their day, told me, go to hell, and it is what it is. Meanwhile, I'm waiting on the perfect moment. Yes. Why? Yeah. And, it, and yeah. for what? Why am I even investing that much? Why am I giving a person that much when in all actuality, I don't give a fuck if a person wake up in the morning or go to bed at night? Why? <laughs> if it, it now if that's the situation yes but if it's somebody you know I, I don't it's not with strangers this is with motherfuckers that are in my life then there's so, a reason why you need to remove these people true and I'm gonna <laughs> remove you as I get my lick back I'm gonna remove the fuck out of you so so let me go back a little bit now so you said you went through some issues you know self-harming for mm-hmm. years so how did you reconcile your issues? What so when when did that happen and how did that happen? Did you go, go to therapy and if so what age? Uh my mom put me in therapy when I was like in the 6th grade. So that's what like 8, 9, like 9 I think. I don't know, I was in middle school. Um because I have AD I have ADHD. I also have adult ADHD, which is why I said I take medication. I'm not against it, but ADHD is real and it's very frustrating. Um, but that's how the it started. Uh the self-harming kind of started as an outlet to where I didn't really know how to get out my frustration. I had pent up anger issues as a kid. Um, I was never disciplined. Like I've never been spanked a day in my life. My parents never put their hands on me, never yell. Like my dad probably yelled at me one time, if I can count once maybe. Um, and I really, I didn't, so I didn't know how to express anger. So when I got mad and when I got frustrated, I'm like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do with this energy that makes me angry. And that's how I figured it out, that if I hurt myself, this is how I feel better. Um, Because it was never expressed to me in any kind of way. Nobody ever yelled at me. Nobody fought me. Nobody put their hands on me. Like, none of that. No abuse. Nothing ever happened. So that is why I say this piggybacks to the beginning in the black household of therapy in general. There are a lot of things that weren't expressed, or there are a lot of things that were expressed. So just like people might have gotten a lot of love. I didn't get anger or discipline like that. So I didn't really understand what happens when you get mad or what happens when you get angry. What do you do with it? Which is which resulted into my teenage and adult years and how I ended up catching a felony because at some point I figured putting my hands on people is what you do, which is how I landed myself in jail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I went to therapy uh, middle school, going into high school. Um, I wasn't really like consistent with it, but I went because my mom told me to go. I didn't really understand it too much. I didn't start going back to therapy until 2013. Um, I, my partner passed away in 2011, and that was the first time anybody ever close to me died. So I didn't understand death. Um, I was alcoholic for two years. So from 2011 to 2013, I have no recollection of what happened in my life. Like, I have, I couldn't tell you what the hell happened. I don't know who paid my bills. I think my daddy did. 
I didn't have a job. I don't know what happened. I just know that I was in a relationship with a female. She had passed away, and I lost my mind. So 2013, I was like, I need to go get help. So I saw a therapist, and I was like, no, nah, I'm going to just kill myself instead because this is just way easier. You know, I'm just not about to deal with this. It's really ghetto here. And apparently it did not work. So uh, the self-harming just kind of kept going because that was just a comfort space for me. Um, and nobody knew about it. Like, it was just, and it, I wasn't ashamed of it. It's just that nobody knew about it. And it wasn't something that nobody talked about. It wasn't until maybe a couple years ago that I realized how popular it was. Like, a lot of people do it. And I didn't notice it until I started seeing people's scars on them. Most of my scars are covered up for the most part. I, don't, I have, like, one set of scars that I didn't cover up with tattoos, and that's just my own personal reminder. Mm -hmm. But I didn't notice how popular it was until I looked at other people. Um, and I was like, oh, I wasn't the only person who did this. And it's friends that I'm cool with, people I'm close to. And I'm like, we never had this conversation. We all finally had that conversation during the pandemic, probably like this summer and last summer. And I was like, I never knew none of my friends even experienced that. Um, and they know I'm a therapist. Like, they get free sessions for me. So it's like we never really had this conversation with one another until recently. And I'm like, we all went through this and we were just really silent about it. And a lot of a lot of black girls or black women actually go through a self-harming phase and they don't speak on it. Right. Um, I didn't know that, though. And as far as, like, the suicide thing, it wasn't... It's nothing like how suicide is looked at now. Like, it wasn't like I wrote a letter and I was like, yeah, I got a plan. This is what I'm going to do. Like, I literally woke up on a Tuesday and I was like, yeah, I'm over this shit. I got to go. Didn't have a conversation with nobody. I didn't know what I was going to do. I knew that I didn't plan on shooting myself because I'm like, yeah, that's that's gonna be too messy. And I'm like, I ain't about to drive on nowhere because that's messy. I'm like, I got all the pills in the world in my house. I was like, this is just a clean skate right here. We ain't gonna have no problems. I ain't gonna feel nothing. I'm gonna go to sleep. That was the plan. But it didn't work that way. Thank God. Threw up everywhere. Yes. <laughs> so and then my mom ended up uh actually coming to my apartment. So, and then that's when she realized it was a lot worse than what it was. You put a lot of thought into that shit, though. I did. You put because a, you put I just a, didn't a, feel like no mess. I. You put a lot of thought into that on a Tuesday <laughs> morning, man. Wow. I didn't feel like no mess. I've walked into a, a scene of suicide before, uh, attempt of commit suicide before of somebody who tried to slit their wrist. And it's messy. I mean, I sound real nonchalant when I say it, and that's just because I look at death completely different now. Versus when I did, when I didn't know how to handle it. Um, so whether it's suicide or whether it is natural, um, I've seen a, a scene of, of somebody attempting to commit suicide from them using a razor blade and other sharp objects. And it's very messy. And if you have carpet, it's very, very ghetto. And yeah. <laughs> I'm I, I'm I'm trying to hold it in. I'm trying to hold it in. It's just I'm being real honest with you. <laughs> Why lie? So... So the 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 suicide attempt was in two thousand and what what year? This was two thousand eleven. It was two thousand eleven. Two thousand and eleven, yep. and two thousand thirteen is when you, like two thousand thirteen going into two thousand and fourteen. That is when like the transition kind of started to happen. 
but from 2011 to early 2013, I really have no knowledge. So you said your mom ended up coming to your apartment that day. Yeah. So what was your conversation with her like after that? Um, if you don't mind, a lot of resentment. Okay. Um, just because I felt like my family, I'm the youngest of all my siblings, so they, I call myself the black sheep of my family because uh, I'm the lesbian auntie, I'm the lesbian sister, I'm the lesbian daughter, I'm the lesbian everything. I'm also the one who doesn't care about anybody's feelings. I say whatever it is that I got to say. And it's like everybody thinks I'm always mad at them. And then also everybody thinks I'm the strongest one. So when I went through that transition of losing a person, nobody ever checked on me, nobody called, nobody did anything but my friends. And that was my issue with my family is that nobody ever came to my apartment and said, you know, hey, you know, anybody checked on arm or anybody checked on pool, you know, is she good? Is she okay? It was that they were so used to me always handling everything. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't always have it all. And at the time, I was I, I was still really young. I was in my 20s, and I'm like, I, I don't always have it all. I don't have it all. And at the time, I really didn't even have my shit together. I didn't have a career. I barely had a job. Like I said, I think my dad was paying my rent. So I was all over the place. You know, I'm like, that was more of a reason, you know, to check on me. And that was just, like, my main conversation with her is that I really didn't have the support that I thought I had from them. Mm -hmm. um, so... It kind of changed the dynamic of, of, of our relationship. Like, it kind of changed it for the better, but it still was my reasoning, you know, to kind of open up and let her know, like, what I've been suffering with. As far as, like, the self-harming goes, I don't even know if they know about it because that wasn't something I felt like I needed to say because I never did it with the intent to leave the earth. I did it as a way of expressing myself. Like, mm -hmm. that was just how I handled myself. So you said you held resentment for her. What was her response? She didn't because really have a, was much. A, she felt bad. She's a bad. therapist, right? Yeah, I mean, she felt bad. She felt like she was doing everything she was supposed to do. Um, and I really just didn't have much. I really didn't have much to say. I was young. I was in my early 20s. So it really was just like, whatever, fuck you. I'll figure it out. I still said, okay, I'll figure it out. And I did. I figured it out after that. That's when I started going to school. And then from... That was, what, 13, 14? So 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Six years straight, I was in school. Mm -hmm. Six whole years straight. So that was undergrad, grad school. I went to school six whole years straight. I did not take a break at all. No summer break, no nothing break, nothing. I worked at Chrysler full-time for those six years. I did my internship. For those six years straight, I went completely blank from everybody and decided I was going to get all my shit together. And that was it. Fellow Wayne State Warrior. <laughs> yes. Shout out to the Warriors. Yes, yes. And you a D. <laughs> okay, <Yes>. okay, <laughs> then you a D. Okay, then I was going to yeah. go there too. So you touched on something that I want to get back to. Uh, you said by law your mm -hmm. therapist cannot share your information nope. with anybody. So Ethically and by law. Ethically and by so just get into that for for the people who don't know. Um, so when I tell my friends I cannot be their therapist, they do not respect me. In case they hear this, I cannot be their therapist. They don't care. <laughs> I cannot be your therapist. They don't care. Ethically, I am not supposed to be somebody I am close to or uh, related to therapists. One because it is possible that I'll be biased, right? In their eyes, not actually, but in their eyes. And my friends don't care. They don't give a damn they don't care they still have called my job scheduled appointment i have seen a name and it's like 
<laughs> just call me. Let's just do this for the free ball. You cook, I pull up. We can sit on the couch, roll up, whatever. Let's come on. Like let's let's figure this out because you don't care. Um, <laughs> boundaries don't matter. Um, and then by law, if I have a client, of course, that's just what it is. I'm not supposed. I can talk about a case. Um, I can talk about a client. There will be no names. And there'll never be any names because it ain't worth me losing my license. That license cost me $80,000 at school. I ain't telling nobody's business name-wise. It's just something that you're just not supposed to do. It's not like a law and order thing where we can put the business out there. Unless it comes to a point where I have a client who is homicidal and they're going to do something that involves them hurting another person or that person's life is in danger, that will be the only way that I have to involve another person. Okay. So. so so I was just about to say, so I come in there and I'm like, I'm about to kill my motherfucking boss. Um then what 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 would you have to do? Or so this is this is the funny part. As fucked up as it's how it's you my client. Like I still gotta rock and roll with my client. That's just how it works. That's ethically and legally. Um, and if you have not technically shown me those signs that you are going to do that, and this is just you kind of expressing yourself. Then we're going to talk it out. Let's figure it out. Let's get to the bottom of this. Hey, why are you feeling this way? What happened? Can this be resolved? Do you really think you're going to do this? And then I'm going to tell you, if you are serious, we really going to have to, I'm, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to let you know that's what I'm going to have to do. Okay. But like if I have a situation where like I have a husband and a wife and the wife or the husband is coming to me telling me that they're being abused by one or the other person, I'm not to call the police. Really? Nope. Wow. I ain't got nothing to do with them. Wow. Because they're coming to me to see therapy, and, and that's it. Right. That's all. So if one of y'all kicking each other's ass, mm -mm. So don't even tell because you <laughs> better wear your sunglasses. So <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got nothing to do with that. <laughs> so let me get totally off the Let me ask a, a quick sidebar question. Did you watch You, the third yes. season of You? So how did you look at... Love and Joe's therapy sessions at it. you. I right. Love I love it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> however, um, I do couples counseling. Like, I do relationship counseling. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I would take my clients very serious if they were to tell me that little sidebar joke of them saying, like, they'll kill each other. If I don't take that as a joke. Mm -hmm. One... I tend to think with a lesbian mind, and we're very passionate people. So when I say, if I tell my girlfriend, I'm going to kill you, I really mean that. I'm going to kill you, so don't play with me. <laughs> so this is not metaphorically speaking. This Sheesh. is me being very serious. And she'll say, she'll say, I know she is, so just don't play. So I, if I have a couple saying these things to me, or it's the passion in a couple's relationship, and I can tell if they really mean what it is. And the reason I really don't like doing couples therapy is because I'm a realist. I came from a set of parents who um, they used. And my dad had fixtures. He had holes. And my mom may have been one of them. <laughs> so it's like I grew up in a crazy world at times. And at the end of the day, my perception and my view of marriage and love isn't always be happy and be together. Sometimes it's be happy and not be together. Right. Sometimes it's be happy and be best friends. My parents have been legally married for 40 
40 years, but they are not together, but they are the best of friends. Like, the absolute best. Because my dad know push come to shove, my mama going to push, and vice versa. So he's going to stay married to her because he trusts whatever it is that is going to happen to him or needs to happen, she's going to make the best decision for him. And the same way around. So if I get couples who I know deep down they really don't need to be together, I'm not going to be a person who tries to tell you to fix it. If you sit here and you come to me and you tell me you'd have been married 20 plus years and y'all ain't slept together in five and there's no intimacy, none whatsoever, and you feel like he doesn't love you and she doesn't love you and y'all go for weeks not talking and y'all live in the same household, I'm not going to help you fix your marriage. I'm going to help you leave each other. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> like, but I have people that come to me that say that, and I'm really sitting here looking like, I did not learn this part in school. What part of school <laughs> taught me to fix this? This is not society didn't even teach me to fix this. I've literally just had this happen not too long ago, and I had to sit here and, like, call a couple, because I have homegirls that are therapists, too, and I had to call them, like, yo, bitch, what happens when? And I'm like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. I'm like, this is weird. Like, I, this, I don't even think I can save them. And they'll laugh with me. And I'm like, am I a bad therapist if I tell them I can't save them? And they was like, no, no, um, you tell them the truth. And I was like, girl, okay, good, because I'm about to tell them leave. <laughs> Sometimes that's the answer, man. Sometimes that is the motherfucking <laughs> answer. Like, everybody's not meant to be together. No. You know, and people get married for, you know, what they think are the right reasons, but turn out to be the wrong reasons. And real shit, a lot of people are together with people that they don't even like. Yeah, I mean, and after so long, I mean, at, at the end of the day, we're here for a good time, not a long time. So right. you you don't have to always be designed for a person to be with them forever. You could have been there for that moment and you served your purpose. And if that purpose was for 25 years and y'all had three wonderful kids and they're grown and gone to college and y'all debt is completely clear, okay. I mean, right, right. It sounds like y'all can probably, you know, get away scot free, <laughs> and y it doesn't sound like y'all have too many troubles. It sounds like the troubles y'all have sound like they're together versus apart. I'm like, so yeah, that's really why I try my best to stay away from couples counseling. But somebody keeps sending them to me. <laughs> so. <laughs> so we've come a long way. Uh, by from you know from my point of view, we come a long way from you know just locking niggas in the back room mm -hmm. and grandma taking care of them until she died. Correct. So we're not in that place anymore. So from a therapist's point of view, have we come a long way? And how much farther do you think we have to go? As far as like having kids and grandparents raising them. No, as far as. You know, that's how we deal with mental health issues. The crazy uncle just stay in the back room oh. and, and grandma get his check. That's how we dealt with shit back oh. in the day. Like now people are, like you say, on social media. You got celebrities talking about it. So from that place to where we are now, do you think that we made leaps and bounds and do we still have leaps and bounds to go? Uh, it's kind of like in between. I do think that we still have a long way to go. Um I think the good part about social media is that it did bring more of an awareness to it. But I also think that the kind of awareness that it brought to it is that it it makes it seem like therapy is cool. Or if you go to a therapist or me mental health issues are cool. That's what it makes it seem like. It seems like if you have a... And, and, 
promoting mental health issues are a thing. Seeing people make fun posts or funny posts saying that they have insomnia or that they have bipolar. And, or, I mean, that they are bipolar or making jokes about being crazy or things of that nature. Like, that's what I mean by we have so far to go because I don't want that to be a joke. Um, because I don't really think people really know what bipolar means. So when they make those posts and they say that and they think that it means that you're happy at one o'clock and sad at one thirty, that's not being bipolar. So when people make those jokes and they talk about having insomnia just because they lost sleep one night from a person who's had insomnia their whole entire life, I've stayed up for three, four days before. It is, it's nothing to be happy about or funny about. Oh, sorry. It's nothing to be happy or funny about. It's something that it, it's a struggle. Um, I think that we will get in a better place when we're no longer able to make jokes about it. Okay. Um, Black people find everything funny. That's what I was just about to say. Like, <laughs> like niggas joke about everything. We joke about thing, everything. Though. Like, we do, but I want to get into a place where we can accept mental health issues for what they are and address them and not make the next person feel bad about them. I want black men to be able to have a, a issue and to hell be abused, sexually abused, verbally, physically, and not be looked at as if they're a weaker person because it happened. Um, I want women to, to not, not that I want that to happen, but I want these people who have experienced these things, whether it was rape, molestation, anything like that, to be able to get help and not be questioned, did it really happen? Are you sure? You know, I want these things to take place. Like, and this all shows when we have like these these trials with like R. Kelly, Bill Cosby, mm -hmm. um, things that come up, and because it happened twenty years ago, people sit there and say, "Well, it happened twenty years ago," and it's like, "But y'all still bitching about slavery." So, so. <laughs> Right. Come on now. Make right. it make sense. Well, you you got you can got to pick a side. Right. Like what what you going to do? You going to be mad about slavery or you going to tell a woman that she can't be mad if she felt like she was raped 20 years ago? What I don't get it. And it's things like that. So that's why we still got a long way to go because we can't pick and choose what we want to be mad about. We can't pick and choose what mental health issues are of importance uh, because rape is still a mental health issue. Uh, abuse is still a Absolutely. mental health issue. Absolutely. Substance abuse is still a mental health issue. But as long as you still have social media and you have celebrities, things like that are going to be looked at in a different aspect. They have made using drugs a fun thing. Right, it's cool. <laughs> it's cool. It's fun. And I've kicked it with plenty of teenagers who think that getting high and doing all kinds of drugs is a fun thing, and I have tried to tell them on several occasions, I've been there. It ain't nothing fun about it. Or going to jail is fun. And it's, it's so many things that teenagers think is fun because social media makes it fun to them. I've had clients come to me and tell them how TikTok has taught them how to actually self-harm successfully. And I'm sitting here looking like, I don't have TikTok, so I don't really know. Man, I just <laughs> I just watched the uh the other day, the probably like two weeks ago, the social media, the YouTube, TikTok, and the uh it was YouTube, TikTok, and Snapchat. Mm -hmm. They had to testify before the Senate hearings. It was three hours long. It's on YouTube right now. It's unfucking believable the shit that is going yeah. on on these platforms. Yes. The, my man was like, the one senator, he was like, my my staff and I sat in my office. We made an account as a 15-year-old girl, and the next thing you know, it was 
uh, bulimia, anorexia. Yes. Like, like th- this is all popping up on the news feed. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? Yes. And, and they're all up there, you know, pleading the fifth. Like, oh, this is our platform. Blah, blah, blah. Like, nigga, our kids are spending 10, 12 hours a day on this shit. That I have. That so is crazy. When I entered therapy, I made it clear to, like, most jobs. I said, I don't want to work with kids. Like, kids were, like, my, because I don't have kids. So I was like, nope, I have God kids. And I was like, I don't do kids. So I was like, no, I had an age limit. I wanted nobody under the age of 18. Somehow they said, fuck what I said. And <laughs> I got put in the room to do group therapy from ages 8. Scratch that. Ages five to eleven, I want to say maybe twelve. And I heard their issues. These are ages five to twelve, and they feel like they're ugly, they're overweight, that they don't want to live anymore. Like these kids have definite suicide plans. I had to send three or four of them to the hospital. Um. Because in a group setting like that, if I hear something like that due to, this was a different position I was in. Um, I was a partial hospitalization therapist. So when I heard stuff like that, I had to immediately react. If they had a definite plan, I had to send them to the hospital if they were um, minors. But these kids had suicide plans. These kids have self-harmed on every part of their body that I can think of. And this is all because TikTok, Snapchat, whatever, have given them the image of what perfect is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. It's little black girls who feel like uh, because they don't look a certain way or because they don't talk a certain way that they're not good enough. It is uh, the eating disorders. Like, it's kids who will not eat. Like, I've had eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds tell me their relationship with food is terrible because if they eat too much, they're going to be fat and overweight, and they have to look like this, and they have to look like that. I've had clients sit there and tell me I have good hair because my locks are curly or tell me that uh, I talk a certain kind of way. So that that means that I am, like, it's so many things, and I'm sitting here listening, and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, I really didn't have anything else to say. I, I couldn't say anything else because this is really their world. This is how they feel. This is what it is to them. And I had to tell them, y'all need to delete social media for a minute. Man. Get off social media. Like, when I say get off of it, I mean get off of it immediately. Like, when you go home, disable it. And I know that it's hard because it can be addictive at times. But until we will continue to be set back in the mental health world until there's a lid on what we allow our youth and adults to be filled with, basically. And I mean, it's the same thing with adults, though, because there are adults out here who think being toxic is cute or who oh have, my goodness. Oh my <laughs> who have this stigma um, or even like the spirituality thing. Like you have women who have decided to become spiritual because they think that it is a, a phase or something to be a part of because it's a fun thing to do and... Um, I had this conversation with a young lady about that, and we were talking about religion and other things, and me going back and forth with her, and why I didn't go to church and things like that. And I was like, and I went back to 2013, and I'm like, and that's when I left the church. I'm like, because when I really didn't have anything left of me, the church was the last place to give me any kind of hope. And 
that's when I started my spiritual journey. And that's when the crystals became a thing and, and sage and everything. And I'm like, but now you got bitches walking around with crystals that they couldn't even tell you what the hell they mean. They burning sage and they calling ancestors that they don't know. And I'm just like, and that's because social media has gave them this perception of something that they have no idea what it is. It may, it, see, <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing. So just like you when you said, uh, you know, social media makes make shit cool. So mm-hmm. if it can make it cool, it'll make it uncool. Mm-hmm. So one, what? So once this is no longer trendy, what are you gonna do with it? Yeah. What are you gonna do with your therapy? What are you gonna do with your spirituality? Once this, yeah. w- once the next iteration comes along, you're gonna exactly. jump on that bandwagon. You, you know like, what I mean? And that's the thing. And that's like even when it comes to being a therapist, like, and I talk about, I'm like, therapy was a thing before social media. Like, right. I, I, this, this wasn't something I did because, uh. I wanted a fan base of followers or I wanted to do this. I'm like, this is something that I did because I, I have a reason for it. I have a purpose. I'm I'm designed. Like I said, I could have easily been somebody's doctor and made six, seven, eight figures a year with no problem. But I'm okay with what I do and I'm okay with what I make and I'm comfortable and I'm happy. Like I enjoy going to my job. And I'm going to do whatever it is that I can do to make sure that I pour in the same way that I feel through my career until maybe I want to retire. I don't know. I haven't decided yet if I'm going to retire. <laughs> but I could see myself doing this for 20 years, for 30 years. Like, I, I don't see myself being exhausted and depleted from something that I love doing. But I know that we still have a long ways to go as far as getting more of reaching out to people and getting parents involved and, um getting kids involved and making them more acknowledgeable and accessible to the tools that they need to be uh, accessible to and not not just being able to go on social media, but social media isn't going anywhere anytime soon. It right. just seems to be getting worse, so it's kind of like you got to figure out what you're going to do with it. <laughs> Man, yeah, that shit definitely ain't going nowhere. I think I just read like Facebook is like turning into something. The metaverse. Yeah. Yeah. So That's with a that whole being, thing. yeah, so it's like you got to figure out how you know how you gonna rock and roll with it, you know. And it's like the pandemic, however, as as bad as it was, it kind of was the best thing for therapy. Um, the telehealth thing, like that, that opened the door for a lot of people who were scared to go to therapy because a lot of people are capable of getting on Zoom mm-hmm. and other platforms of uh, virtual connections and talking to a person. Because a lot of people are scared to come to someone's office and lay on a couch. Like, there really is a couch in my office you lay on. <laughs> and it's, it's, not, it's not a movie thing. I really got a nice little couch. <laughs> and a lot of people are scared of that. So coming on Zoom and being able to kick it in the comfort of their own home and me being in mine, they can still keep their little bonnet on, they can chill. You know, I got clients that might decide they done ask me, can I smoke? Do whatever you want to do on there. Just don't pass out because I got to report it. I don't know if I will, but just don't. You know, they do. They think they like that. And that works for them. So that part of the pandemic definitely kind of helped when it came to therapy. Opened the door for a lot of people. Okay. So I can, I, I can, I can tell you now, like, uh, as far as black men are concerned, we have a problem being vulnerable. Oh yeah, with with anyone, you know what I mean. So, you know, you you don't come home and be vulnerable to you know to your wife. You're mm-hmm. not vulnerable in front of your homies. You're not vulnerable at work. So, 
opening up to a therapist is scary for a man. It's like, oh, yeah. I got it. You know what I'm saying? So it would have to be a stranger. Definitely could not be another man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm not about to sit in front of this nigga and possibly cry. Like, that's not going to happen. So for me, like, when I pictured therapy, it's an older black woman. You know what I'm saying? Everybody says that. Like, I don't for, know for, why. For, for my, you know, I, I, that, that's all that I picture. Like, a a. a a, a nice suit with gray hair lady. Everybody to me, like. says that. Like I, I've asked that question to plenty of guys before and I ask them and they'll say, I want a female. Why? And then they'll give that reason. I'm not telling no nigga my problem. And I'm bro. like, but why? <laughs> I'm like, it's nothing wrong with having a, I'm like, you don't want to kick it with somebody who looks like you. But see, th- I can tell you the issue for me. I didn't have a dad. I grew okay. up. I grew up without a dad, so I'm not. I'm not used to talking to a man about anything. So then there we go. You know okay, what I mean. So that's different. Yeah. And that's most guys' issue is that that male figure was voided. So when it comes to talking to a guy, it's kind of like, mm, not really. Yeah, so. So I get it. I know guys who have perfect relationships with their father, right? And my son has a. This nigga calls me and tells me everything. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I wish he wouldn't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He tells me. Every fucking thing. Dad, woo, woo, woo. Dad, this, this, that, and the third. Dad, I like this, bro. What do I do? Like, how do I talk to <laughs> girls? I want to beat this nigga up. I'm like, yo, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I never had that. You know what I'm saying? It was my mama and my big sister. Okay. So I'm just, you know, was always used to, you know, talking to women. So I'm going to ask you, I ain't going to keep you too much longer. But so what does healing look like? Oh. So I go to a person, you know, and I have an issue. What is healing? Long. Uh, healing hurts. Healing is ugly. Healing is a process. Healing is going backwards because you have to start from the beginning. You have to start from where the problem started. Um, healing is traumatic but it is very much so possible that's kind of like how I look at it I love that answer <laughs> that, that was perfect <laughs> I love that answer yeah that's that's healing and you know this is our first time meeting. You know, we yeah. follow each other on social media. I thought your name was the Rapist Bay. Oh my god! I, I, oh my god! I thought her name was the Rapist Bay. Oh my god! Right? It's, but it's, the bad part <laughs> is, it says therapist underscore 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 Bay. Where did the <laughs> rapist come from? Listen, the, fir- I, the first time I said, I'm like, oh, she bugging. Like, you know, she was trying oh. to go to jail. Man. <laughs> oh, I could have swore that said the rapist. So I even had to screenshot your page to Damn. see, am I tripping? Like, hold on. I, and I asked my followers, like, did you read this therapist bay or the rapist bay? I was so happy that that the people did not read it as the rapist. <laughs> the, the majority the majority read therapist. I'm, I'm so happy. But and it is so funny because that name came about because a lot of, like I said, uh, uh, being, first off, the Detroit gay community is this big. So I'm a lot of people bays, like they call me Bay, and I was like, hmm. And then my homegirl was like, we gonna call you therapist Bay, and I was like, all right, we gonna roll with it, we gonna roll with it. And I was like, okay. So I was like, when I open up my private practice, that's what we gonna put on there. We gonna put therapist Bay on there, and I was like, 
think that got a ring to it. I like it. So I've been rolling with Therapist Bay. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So Therapist Bay. Uh, so shout out your Instagram so that people can get so in touch with you. So it is Therapist underscore 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 Bay. Therapist people, not the rapist. Not the therapist. Rapist. Three <laughs> underscores Bay. Yes. And so uh, about the finding. The, the websites that you talked about earlier, can you mention those again? Uh, so the website is New Oakland Family Center, um, or my Facebook. My Facebook is just my name. It's Armonique. Uh, I think I'm the only Armonique, but uh, it's Armonique Threat. That is, <laughs> that is really my last name. Uh, so both of them have the uh, website on there. It's just New Oakland Family Center. Once you click on there, I'm located at the Farmington Hills office, and it's an amazing program. They have a substance abuse program, eating disorder program, a mood and anxiety program. Um, they start at ages five, and they go up to age uh, geriatric, if I'm not mistaken. So probably like 60s, 70s. I'm considered an outpatient therapist, so I don't do any of like the group therapy work. I just do couples, uh, families, and individuals. But I'm going to be on vacation. I've also decided to take next month off. So, um, yeah, I'll be back next, next year. Okay, but, but for the most part, I'll be available here and there. But I, I definitely, I believe in self care. Self care is essential. It is, it is a priority. Okay, so if somebody was to just like DM you a question on Instagram, would you? Your I don't have, I don't have a problem answering questions. Um, I don't too much get into detail. Um, I'm a firm believer in just like anybody else. I'm a product, so I'm not about to just go into straight up therapy mode with you because give me your insurance information or slide me your debit card number so I can, you know, put it in because it's either 170 an hour or I'm going to charge you, you know, with your <laughs> insurance. <laughs> but I will help you. I've had random people reach out to me um, who were suicidal. I've had it. I've had people send me messages telling me that they are on their edge. Like, and just because I'm a good human and I've been there before and I know what it feels like, I've did my part. But if somebody just like, I'm going through some shit, girl, and mm -mm, I'ma bill you. <laughs> I'ma bill you, because this ain't free. It's not, you're not gonna, I'm not gonna do this for free. 80,000. I, I work hard for this. <laughs> it's like, but I, I can't, I can kick it with you. I don't have a problem with that. It's, I'm an open book. I'm a free spirit. I'm not a person who's real uppity and like, no, nah. Yeah, I mean, you were you were very receptive when I reached out to you and asked you to yeah. come on the podcast. You were extremely <laughs> receptive. I enjoy podcasts. Like, uh, it was this one, and I think it's called Cocktails. With Cocktails. Yeah, like, I mean, I listen to a few podcasts. Like, I mean, I like podcasts. I think they're dope. I think they're cool. I think it's an excellent platform to, to reach out to people and for them to be able to hear the opinions that are unfiltered. People don't get a chance to get that all the time. A lot of things are filtered or watered down, and it's like they kind of can hear what somebody's opinion is, but it's like to get somebody's raw, real opinion, whether it is about relationships, sex, therapy, uh, drugs, the streets, the clubs, anything, it's like listening to a podcast. It's like, okay, and, and these are real people who are on podcasts. These are not always celebrities or made up people. These are real people who have 24 hours in a day just like you do, who probably got a bunch of bad kids or a bunch of bitches or a bunch of niggas and they have problems and they didn't put no gas in their car last night so they gotta go put gas in the car in the morning. You know, it's just, we got regular problems it's like, okay, this is who I'm listening to. I'm not listening to somebody who's a millionaire or who's a billionaire or who doesn't have a realistic life. Right. So, 
that's primarily why I fuck with podcasts. <laughs> For sure, man. For sure. Absolutely. And shit, we're going to have to get you back on here, man. This was dope. I'm here for it. This I was like, super I like, dope. I like it. I'm here. I'm an open book. I'll talk about whatever. Okay. Yes. So, yeah, we gonna, I'm going to definitely touch base with you, and we're going to get you back on here real soon. For sure. For sure. I thank you so much Thank for coming you. Through. Thank you. I appreciate it. Not a problem. All right. That's it.